Hello and a very warm welcome to Bergos Now, our weekly podcast with me, Aurelia Rauch, and today with one of my favorite guests, Till Christian Budelmann. Hi, Till. Hi, Aurelia. Till, before we get started, I would just like to make a very brief note to all of our listeners. Uh, if you are wondering why our sound might sound a bit different than usual, Well, Till and I are taping this today from two different locations, so we apologize that the sound quality might not live up to the standards that we usually aim for. We promise next week we will be back in the studio and then you will get the listening joy that you are used to from us. But for today, let me ask by, um, let me start by asking Till, what are we going to talk about? Two quick things first before I get to the topic of the week. First, I'm sure that many of our listeners now expect from us that we will take a detailed look at German politics again. Um, I'm referring to the Laschet-Söder controversy, of course. But we have already dealt with this topic twice in the current year. I'm talking about the podcast episode about the newly appointed CDU boss Laschet on Jan January the 22nd. And then about our last joint Bergos Now episode on March 26th, when we went through a lot of things about German and French politics on a what-if basis. And now the whole situation seems to escalate. Uh, Söder is practicing his Schmutzeleien. You will remember that term, Aurelia. And everything yes. seems possible at this point of time. According to our Bergos prediction market mix, it seems a bit more likely that it will be Laschet in the end. But who knows? And possibly the matter has already been decided at the time you all will be listening to this. We are taping this on Thursday and you all will be listening on Friday or later. But who wants to know what a German Chancellor Laschet or Söder would mean for the economy and capital markets? should simply listen to the two episodes I just mentioned. And soon we will definitely comment on this whole topic in detail again. So that was point number one. And then uh, to point number two. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little embarrassed, but it has to be mentioned. I made a mistake in our last episode of Bergos Now. Interestingly, it hardly seems to have been noticed of our few thousand listeners only one contacted me a big thank you uh, at this point uh, to that one entrepreneur from berlin as i said on the 26th we also talked about french politics and in this context i spoke throughout the last episode about the front national but of course marine le pen renamed her movement in june 2018 at that time the front national became the Rassemblement National. So I have to say, mea culpa, it won't happen again. Well, Till, I have to admit, you, yeah, you just relate that with such impetus and charm that at the time I too did not stumble across that error. So I too apologize and I'm glad we got a chance to correct this here. Anyway, so now let me come back again to the question I previously asked. What are we going to talk about? Yeah, the first quarter is in the books and I thought this might be a good time in mid-April to check what we had expected for the year 2021 at the beginning of the year. And I thought the interview that I gave the Neue Zürcher Zeitung at the end of December and that was then published at the beginning of the year in the well-known mm -hmm. format 
of four questions, four answers, should serve as a good basis for today's episode. And uh, this interview can still be found on the NZZ homepage. And we will also share it via my LinkedIn profile. At this point, I would also like to encourage you all, please feel free to follow Bergos and or me personally on LinkedIn. We are very active users and share a lot of information via that platform. And then one last remark before we start with our check. I would like to highlight that it is always a great honor for me to be able to work with the NZZ. I'm a big fan of this excellent newspaper. Okay, awesome, Till. We are um, looking back at that interview in just a second, the four questions and four answers. But before we dive into that, I would love to take the opportunity to also mention our house publication Reflections. It's Quarterly Magazines, our capital market publication, um, which comes out this coming Monday. So for anybody who's interested in reading a bit more about your views and, and get a few more insights from your point of view and also from our other um, investment specialists, On Monday, you can read that in the reflections. Anyway, so I'm going to come back to your uh, previously mentioned interview. Till what are we going to start with? I would assume probably uh, question one offers itself up there. Exactly. Let me quote question number one from the NZZ. A strong economic recovery is expected for 2021, but the stock market has already anticipated a lot of good news How much potential do you see for stocks this year? End of quote. And my answer back then was, the stock market as a huge discounting machine is in fact nothing more than the reflection of all discounted corporate profits from today until the end of time. And yet we still see upside potential for stocks in the coming year. In addition to the earnings growth, we forecast for companies around the globe The relative attractiveness of equities compared to bonds continu continues to be a big plus for stocks. The gap between bond yields and earnings yields on the equity side is still clearly above average. End of quote. And yes, what can I say? The equity markets, you all know it, continue to rise. So we have been right with answer number one so far. However, we now have to talk for a minute about the yield gap that I mentioned in December. Um, the gap of now around 250 basis points between the S&P's earnings yield, the inverted P.E. ratio of 4.2% and the U.S. 10-year Treasury yield of 1.7% still shows some relative attractiveness of stocks versus bonds. Please remember the historic average stands around 200 basis points. However, this attractiveness is nowhere near as strong as it was in 2020. And that's what concerns us at the moment here at Bergos in our equity team. We are still overweighted in equities, but that could change at some point. Okay, fantastic. So now to question number two, if I remember correctly, that was sort of surrounding the topic of what happens underneath the surface of the equities market, right? That's correct. And here too, uh, I will start briefly with the quotations. The question from the NZZ was, technology stocks have been ahead in recent years. Which segments should investors favor now? And my answer back then was, 
For us, the COVID-19 losers of 2020 are not necessarily the vaccination winners of 2021. For various companies, it's not yet clear whether they will survive at all and the normalization of the world does not mean that everything will be as it was before. At this point of time, we are not giving up on our investments in IT and communications companies regionally the US and emerging Asian countries, especially China, South Korea and Taiwan are therefore still our favorites. End of quote. Yeah, and now we have to go into the details. The US is year to date once again the top performer when we look at the most important regions, better than Europe, better than the emerging markets. So, so that call was correct. Our focus on Asia, on the other hand, only worked out for the first couple of weeks in 2021. The countries mentioned got off to a very good start in January and early February, but had a couple of rough weeks recently, especially in relative terms versus the global equity market. And our sector calls were also suboptimal. The IT sector clearly lagged. Communications performed a little bit better, but in general, cyclicals were the place to be in Q1 2021, and uh, we underestimated that trend. That's something we have to admit. Okay, so let me recap. Um, regarding equity, we were right. Um, regarding regions, especially looking towards the US, we were also sort of correct. When it comes um, to the sectors, it would have been good to pay a bit more attention to the cyclicals. I got it. But I think from that, bonds are missing. Absolutely. And regarding this asset class, uh, we were asked about interest rates by the NZZ. Quote, interest rates will probably remain low for a long time to come. Are bonds still attractive for private investors? And our answer was clear. Quote, with the well-known safe havens like highest quality bonds, you will hardly be able to make any big leaps this year. Above all, they act as a diversifier in the portfolio. End of quote. And that's still our view as of today. And as we all know, the yields have risen in the current calendar year. Just look at the 10-year treasury yields in the US. And macro-wise, we think that's appropriate. I explained that in detail in various podcast episodes and market commentaries over the last weeks and months. And of course, that meant headwinds for the asset class bonds. On the other hand, the spreads tightened further. And coming back to our NZZ answer, we highlighted the relative attractiveness of Asian bonds in January. And we continue to believe in that call. But this case had, has not yet worked in a significant way. Depending on the specific regions, these subsegments have performed quite similar to the rest of the emerging markets. It will probably take some time before this call pays off, but we definitely remain overweighted in this segment of the bond market. Okay, fantastic. So that's, that's the bonds. And I think we still have gold to do. Exactly. And in this regard, we were asked in December... What is your view on gold as part of a multi-asset portfolio? And I'm glad that we didn't give a price target back then because I don't think we would have predicted the slide of gold that occurred in Q1. However, 
we did point out that gold would come under selling pressure in a phase of increased risk appetite. And that's what we experienced in Q1. It was a risk-on environment and a natural hedge like gold is simply less relevant in such an environment. But we also highlighted the important role of gold on a long-term basis in a multi-asset context and we would do this again today and therefore we will continue to hold gold in our multi-asset portfolios at a strategic quota also as a protection against inflation. Excellent. And till, um, before I let you go, could I ask you for a summary of the above? Yeah, I guess you shouldn't give yourself grades, but I think the big decision to hold more stocks in a multi-asset portfolio and less bonds was a right one. And that was key so far for our performance in 2021. Everything else was pretty mixed. And it's important to highlight our calls from January, which, by the way, are still more or less in place today, were intended for the medium to long term. And it will be exciting to check again in the summer or autumn. And then, of course, not only with reference to those NZZ answers, but above all to the positioning decisions made in the meantime. So that would be it for today from my side, Aurelia. It was short, but hopefully short and sweet. Super, Till. Yes, indeed, short and sweet. But I think that's what we're used to with you. And thank you very much for sharing your insights today. I think it was a wonderful roundup. And thank you very much for being here. And we thank you, as always, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this um, a bit different of a sound version of our podcast. And now it's Friday and there's nothing left for me. Then to wish you a very wonderful weekend and a successful, pleasant week until we're back here with more of Bagos Now next week on Friday. Bye-bye.